and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about clients, how to get clients, how to keep clients, and possibly a little bit of marketing info thrown in there as well. So, Sam, you ready to dive into this one? Oh, yes. Let's do it. Perfect. And as I recall, this episode was prompted by... Someone who wrote into us, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure they wrote into you. Yeah, we have a fan. <laughs> we have one fan. Thank you so much. We have a fan who, uh, well, we had a few people actually after this guy um, or gal, not sure, um, because it's on Instagram, so I'm never sure of the handle. <laughs> but they asked uh, us to do an episode on clients and how to get them and kind of what we do to get clients. Um, and this is kind of a tricky topic, but also at the same time, there seems to be some things that work consistently across the board, I feel like, for people and within business yeah, in general. And then there are some things that are just not true that people I feel like kind of talk about too with how to get clients. So that's kind of what we will be diving into today. So let's get started. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, uh, disclaimer, uh, Sam's going to be doing most of the talking on this one. I'm still learning. I'm figuring out uh, my targeted market. We'll get into that a little bit. And still trying to delve into uh, the local scene here in Charleston and uh, what all that's about. So I'll be chiming in every now and then, but primarily uh, this discussion will be uh, by Sam. And uh, nothing with this podcast is to say that um, anybody who has way more experience than Sam and I do, because there are people out there who have 30, 40 years more experience than yeah. Sam and I do. Um, nothing's to say that they do anything wrong. Correct. Um, they actually might be particularly inter- interested in this podcast to see how people today are getting clients. Yeah. Just because stuff changes and there's different ways on how to uh, go about that. And I really hope that we can get somebody in on this podcast. So if you're interested in being interviewed about how you get clients, let us know yeah. uh, to pretty much let us figure out how like how they did it uh, whenever they got started and then how do they keep doing it, whether yeah. it's word of mouth or do they put themselves out there and whatnot. So, I mean, we're all like, none of us here are experts. We're just like, we're all students of a craft. Yeah. So this is just how we do it, and there's no right or wrong way. Right. So agreed. I wanted to put that disclaimer out there. I don't know if that's right or wrong. And great disclaimer. We can, we can figure it out. Yeah. So you want to take it away, Sam? Yeah. So first thing is basically you need clients to have a business. And I think one of the trickiest things about doing music is being very honest with yourself and looking at where you're actually at and where you want to go and realizing that in order to do this legitimately, to make a living off of it, um, to pay your taxes, to have a business, to um, cover all of that, um, you have to have clients and you have to have loyal clients, hopefully, that will come back to you over and over again. And within that... There are really, there's really kind of one main thing that I've found to be helpful um, with 
getting clients to come back to you and what makes them want to work with you. And that would be that I think everyone does something unique or special or creates a certain experience that's unique to them that Hmm. then becomes, I hate using the word, but it becomes your trump card. (laughs) (laughs) And by trump card, I mean this is the thing that sets you apart. This is the unique thing that you do that no one else can do um, within your field, be it songwriting, engineering, being an artist, mixing, mastering. Um, This is the thing or things you do, the way you work, um, that's unique to you that people want. And a lot of people, in my experience, as I've mentored people over the last few years, um, a lot of people have no idea what they're actually good at um, and Mm. what makes them different. And once you figure out what makes you different, then you start to market to your target audience. And most people have never even thought about that. So if you want to start somewhere and figure out how do I get clients, you need to start with yourself and figure out what do you do that is different than someone else. And you may be asking yourself, how do I figure that out? Um, A good place to start is to look at if you've done any work with any clients to see what they affirm you with or listen to your friends who may give you some affirmation or encouragement or, for example, like if a client responds back like, oh, wow, you really like crushed this rock mix. It feels so big or it like feels, I don't know. Whatever they say usually is telling of what you're really good at, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense, Matthew, at all? No, man, that's that's really awesome. Yeah. Like, as soon as you're like, like, what are you being affirmed in? I'm like, right. yeah, that's like, that's key, that's number one. Yeah. So I feel like when I started in mastering, I didn't even think about what I did different. I was just so um, concerned about not screwing up. <laughs> And mm-hmm. um, I was That's just every day for me. Yeah, yeah. And there's still days sometimes where I'm like, "Don't screw up." Um, and that is not the best way to function um, in any business. Is mm-hmm. is approaching your work or day as like, "Oh, I I just don't want to screw up." Um, and th- there's nothing really confident or professional or marketable about an approach or a slogan of. <laughs> Uh, work with me. I just don't want to screw up. That's my thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's not a slogan you want to market. Um, people don't want to give you money for that. But when I started to listen to how people were affirming me, and when I started to look at my workflow compared to what other people did, so I would go to all the big mastering sites. Uh, companies like uh, Sterling Metropolis, um, Mastervonics, all these big companies that have been around for you know 20, 30, 40 years, and they all they really do some really great work. But I continually got feedback from mix engineers or clients um, about things they didn't enjoy about the process, and I found that if I could. Um, solve 
their problem or make, if I could do what they were frustrated about better than who they were working with currently, they were pretty willing to switch, if that makes sense. Um, and so I started to just ask people questions and I started to figure out what they didn't like about their current mastering situation. Um, and then I would look at what I was good at, my skill set. So I found on, I found out early on that um, I'm really good at, um, I'm really good at listening, which is why I do mastering. <laughs> like, I think some people it's rule that, number one. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I learned quickly. <coughs> I have a, a really good buddy of mine who, you know, growing up, if any song came on or we were at, say, a dance or a wedding reception or just listening at a club, if a song came on, he would always ask me, what's the song? And I would know the answer, you know? Like, I knew the song. And that is really beneficial when you're mastering because for some reason, I have this wealth of knowledge of what songs sound like and what they are and that immediately helps me know when I get a song like, where is this song currently and where do I need to take it in order for it to compete commercially? And part of my, um, part of the reason why people work with me is because I just have this gift of, like I have this extraordinary catalog of music in my head and I can really at any time kind of think in my head how a song sounds if they give me a reference or... Um, you know, if they want it to sound like Katy Perry in my head, I can hear Katy Perry's song as if I'm listening to it, which is crazy. But for a long time, I thought that was how everybody was. I thought everybody could just do that. Um, but it turns out they can't. So that became something like with me <clears throat> that became like clear early on that like I have a really good handle on where music is and where it needs to go. And mm-hmm. so what I did with that is my style of mastering is actually pretty um, interactive. So like I am a master engineer who changes things and enhances things. There's a lot of guys who their motto is like, I want you to not even know I mastered it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't even, it's like I'm a ninja, I'm in and I'm out and you didn't even know I was there. And I don't work that way. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like there are people who master and think it should just be all about uh, maintaining the integrity of the mix of exactly what it is and just bringing it up to level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people like me who like I'm going <laughs> to really enhance, hide, uh, I'm going to manipulate your mix to make it sound the best it can. Like, mm-hmm. And for me, that means I have a certain type of client who likes that. Does that make sense? No, so, totally. And yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> I, I, I guess like another sect of that, I'm more of like a cleaner. Yeah. And uh, I, in a previous podcast, you and I were speaking about um, our different mastering styles. And <clears throat> I was saying that I operate on more of a style of reduction and that's not heavy yeah. reduction it's maybe like 0.7 here 0.8 here like a max like if something's crazy maybe like 1.5 for me and it's like 
And it's not that I don't want you to hear that I was there. It's like you'll more than likely notice that there's less mud uh, in the two to four hundred and fifty range. Yeah, I mean you're 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 just gonna notice that, and it's I'm not trying to hide anything or whatnot, not trying to sneak in and out or yeah whatever. But uh, mine's more I want to clean, and then how can I make this? And the word I use a lot is how can I make this breathe? Yeah, uh, as best it can. And I just submitted a master. Uh, earlier today, and I said, hey, I normally master to this RMS between this and this range. However, um, it breathes a lot better at this range, which happened to be quieter. And I said, I feel like if I were to push it, uh, we might not be in the same place mix-wise. Yeah. Um, But I don't think that it by any means is quiet. Right. Um, But in terms of perception, I think that we're right around the same area, but I feel like it is taking like as big of breaths as it can. Yeah. And it's dynamic and it's bold. And so that's what I try to do. Yeah. I try to clean out anything that you might not be able to hear in your room. Right. And not saying that anything of in my room is perfect, but I spent a, a solid amount of time um, getting everything pretty close to flat. Yeah. And... I am obnoxious about my signal chain and what yeah. runs through it and right. what doesn't and the power in the room and everything. Yeah. And so it's like I'm going to make sure that that sounds and breathes the best. Yeah. And so sorry if I cut you off by no, that. No, that's great. I mean, you're you're saying exactly you know what I'm saying, I feel like. And I think like to wrap up this little point is – I work with people who want me to, to um, I'll say, inject my sound in my approach. So the clients I work with, um, I get a lot of like rock or hip hop or alternative stuff where people will literally tell me, hey, do your thing. Like, let's, let's get weird with this. Let's try some different gear. Let's try. That's um, awesome you know, let's run it through a cassette tape or something. I literally had a project last year where we like ran it through a cassette tape and through my tube saturator and that's what they wanted um, because I'm kind of known for, I'll say, doing more out of the box, no pun intended, <laughs> out of the box, yeah. out of the box things. Like uh, I did a, a indie rock album last year that I ran through uh, an old, 1970s Yamaha board and used just oh, that cool. EQ. You know, and it's it's not a mastering piece of gear. It's like an old Yamaha PA board, but if you want something to sound like the 1970s, what better piece to use than a 1970s Yamaha board? Like, yeah, you definitely. know. So that's kind of like, for me, I've learned that people work with me because... Um, I, I solve problems, so I solve the technical problems that they don't understand, such as ISRC codes and DDP and all those things we've kind of touched on already um, in different episodes, and we'll continue to touch on them. So that's one part. But the other part is they come to me for a fresh, different perspective on mastering, um, and they come to me because I'm creative in my mastering process, and so I work on a, a lot of albums where people have been, I'll say, more creative or more experimental um, less concerned with um, having the most pristine, you know, sonic quality, but more for emotion, impact, um, and just kind of something unique that matches them. So that's kind of like, for me, become my, I'll say, trump card. And so 
from that, once you figure that out, once I figured that out, I started finding bands or artists or studios that kind of operated in Mm -hmm. that same way. Um, And so once you figure that out, then, you know, for me, like I go on Instagram, uh, I go on LinkedIn, I go on Facebook, and I will try and find those people by just searching for them, searching for mix mix engineers or studios, or I'll go on SoundCloud or Spotify, and I will go and find bands that I like that I feel like fit um, me, like I would be Mm -hmm. a great fit for their projects. And that's something that a lot of people will um, not do. They'll be so hungry to take on work that they will not ask themselves if they're a good fit or not. And the mm-hmm. best the best thing you can do to get clients is to have one client refer another client word of mouth. Like I swear by word of mouth with the music industry, um, mm-hmm. especially within mastering, <clears throat> my career has come from people telling people about me. And then it's mainly been bands or engineers who talk to other bands and engineers. And there's no amount of I found like no amount of Facebook talking, messaging, um, you know, it takes 10 times the effort to do social media marketing as it does for one person just to tell another band like, yeah, Sam did our album. He did a great job. We love the product and you guys should use them too. That band is automatically going to trust the other band like nine times out of 10. Um, and so that's what I've found to be super helpful. Um, and then also, like, I just want to circle back, like, doing the things that you're best at, like, as in your field. So, like, I will turn down projects where I feel like it doesn't fit me or my branding, even if I know I could do a good job with it. Like, sure, I could master a jazz album, I think. Like, that would, that would probably be, awesome. be fun. But that's not really what I'm after. Like, I'm not a, I'll take a jazz album. Yeah, album if see, there you go. So, like, I've always wanted to master a jazz album. Right. I've so, if you're listening, it's send, gotta be hard. Send Matthew a jazz album and let him do it, and he's gonna do a great job with it. But don't send it to me. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not what I'm about, and I know that. So, that's kind of like, you know, figuring out what you're good at <clears throat> is really important, and taking the time to sit down and and think about yourself and. Like, really be honest, and it's not like a pride or a selfish thing or like an ego Mm -hmm. thing. It's just being realistic of what do you do that's really good? Like, what do you know deep down that you're good at? Like, I think people do know at their core kind of some things they're really good at. Um, And I think if you take that time, and if you feel like, no, I absolutely, I have no idea, then ask your clients or even ask you could ask like your friends just in general what they think you're good at because that then probably translates somehow musically um, mm-hmm. and into your business of what you could market. Um, so that's kind of like part one is like you can't you can't market yourself to get clients unless you know why they should be working with you and mm-hmm. why they should be working with you is your trump card. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally, man. So what do you think about that, Matthew? <clears throat> Have you experienced that so far? So far, um, so far with me and like kind of my target, um, 
it's not really as wide. And I mean, you'll have you'll have clients. I think you had a client from Australia, and yeah, uh, I, I want to say I heard that you had some stuff from Europe as well. Yes, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's like I'm not really that wide yet. I'd love to work on any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but currently, what I love doing is Charleston has this really cool music scene. Yeah. And it's in a very, very cool infancy. Yeah. And it's really cool to watch grow. And I always hesitate saying this just because I'm afraid someone's going to take advantage of it. <laughs> um, like, it's not really controlled by any, like, labels and people yeah. are trying to make indie labels and yeah. people don't know what they're doing and they're kind of messing up, but it's cool. And it's the whole, like, and, and it's not, like, in, like, a fail way yeah. in terms of like, how people are messing up. It's just, like, cool, okay, well, we're just going to do this instead of this right. and we'll see how it works. Right. And it's, like, even if something's going to, like, kind of tank, yeah. like, the scene behind it is still going to support it. Yeah. And it's just a really cool, innocent scene that uh, I love coming up in, and I really want to invest in that. And it's not just Charleston. It's pretty much the whole state. Yeah. And just tons of bands and, I mean, tons of, like, little indie, like, blogs and uh, papers and whatnot just yeah. promoing everything. And it's just, it's just fantastic. And it's cool because you even see, like... Uh, uh, publishers and whatnot from like the UK and stuff like that picking up on some stuff that's going on here. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's just really cool to be on the ground floor of that. And that's what I think my targeted market is. Yeah. And it's really how much can I invest into this market? Right. And it's like with, with a kid, it's a bit hard to go out to shows all the time. Yeah. But I like to try to support just about anybody and everybody that I can whenever I am able to get out. Yeah. And whatnot. Um, but I mean, that's really my targeted market. And that's really who I'm trying to go after. Yeah. Do I turn away work? Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, if I had like a like a, a death metal band coming in or something yeah. like that, it's like, I would say, Send to me. I'll try it. <laughs> do you do death metal? Yeah, I've done metal. Really? Yeah, love metal. Love being aggressive as hell. That's cool. Yeah. No, I and it's, it's just, I've never done it. And it's something that I'd be hesitant on. Uh, I've done rap and hip hop. I'm not as, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, I enjoy that scene as much. Sam loves it. So I I'll do. send anything. I'll send anything to Sam and he crushes it. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, in terms of like the cool, funky stuff that's going on here, it's like you have like, there's like this cool, like psychedelic resurgence yeah. happening and, it's just like I just love being on the the ground floor of all of that, and yeah. and I'm not saying if you have a, a metal album or anything that I won't take a stab at it. I'd right. love to work on it. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to work with you. But in terms of how I set myself apart, um, I feel like we're in a pretty cool generation or time in life or whatever you want to call it, where you can't just get by by being a douche anymore. Yeah. And you can't push people around and you can't be a jerk in order to get business or something like that or kind of guilt someone into working with you um, because you've worked with X, Y, and Z. Um, <clears throat> and I think what you really need to do to set yourself apart is you need to strive for an authentic relationship. 
And people want to work with people who, I said this in a previous episode, who they want to grab a beer with, who they want to be friends with, who they can recommend and who they will recommend. Yeah. And it's something to where if they, even if they're like, hey, would you mind checking out this mix I'm planning on sending to you in like, I don't know, a month or so or a week or so, uh, would you mind just checking at it or checking it out? Be like, yeah, sure. Send it on over. Yeah. I have no problem. I had that happen yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'd love that. And that project's coming in the door next week. Yeah. So it's just like being authentic, being like a genuine person and right. always trying to help people out. And Sam taught me a great lesson and I'm oh. sure I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to botch this one. <laughs> no. But it's like whenever you start, what is it? It's, it's the whole thing about, uh, you what, the difference between a professional and amateur is, is oh, yes. a professional will try to educate yes. while, an a, while an amateur will just get irritated. Yes. You nailed was it. Was that the... Pretty much, yeah. The, it's a professional educates and an amateur gets frustrated. So that's what I'm trying to do more. Yeah. Uh, I just finished up a project to where they sent me uh, two sets of mixes. One were uh, to tape and one were uh, one was digital. And they were questioning on certain mixes why I did not choose the tape as a uh, and why I chose the digital and say they had a, a piano ballad as one of the mixes that kind of went a little bit more rocky well yeah. yes it would have sat like better for the rock to be on tape um, which may or may not have been the case uh, but the piano ballad the digital really just gave it like an extra dynamic and yeah. it uh, really made it shine. And I was able to use a little bit of that digital uh, sheen that's not normally a good thing that you're trying to like kind of shave off. I was able to use that to my advantage yeah. by really just kind of like shining and polishing that up. And it ended up being like a banner song for the whole album. Like yeah. a, a softer song ended up being pretty darn incredible. So. Um, but yeah, it's like, I want to educate on that and yeah. I want to tell them why I did that. Yeah. And as opposed to like getting defensive that right. someone doesn't like my decision making, it's like, right. well, let's go into this and then educating people like what a DDP is and yeah. whatnot. So it's like, yeah, let's like, let's get everybody caught up to speed. It's like, there's no sense in me having more information than you. It's, that's not going to do me any good. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's great. Huh. I think um, I want to touch on moving a little forward to like your target audience. Yeah. Um, because I think it's easy to talk about knowing your target audience, but there's a lot that goes into that and something mm-hmm. that changed my whole approach. Um, and I believe I told you this already in our mentoring thing we did. But within your target audience, so like once you figure out what you're good at and what you're going to market, when you go to find your target audience, you want to be um, as specific as possible, like down to like where the person would eat their food for dinner. Yeah, (laughs) yours is that specific, like down to the age of the person. So the more specific you can be with who you think your market is, um, the more... Uh, often you will get a yes from a potential client. So mm-hmm. like for me, my target audience is most likely a male, could be a female, but in Nashville it seems like 99% of studios are owned by males. It's probably a studio owner. 
who mixes, who's been in the industry for probably around 10 years or more. Hmm. He most likely is between 30 and 40 years old. He most likely is married with kids. He's consistently working on projects with bands that are probably on album two, three, or four. They're probably not brand new bands. Um, They're working with labels sometimes, and they probably have a couple people on staff, uh, assistants, and they're really people that are kind of established and consistently have budgets and consistently work with professional people. And they usually do studio time like between 9, 10 a.m. and 5 and 6 and 7 p.m. And then they go home. Um, They don't do crazy late night hours because they're in control of their schedule because they've been doing this for a while. And people Mm -hmm. want to work with them as opposed to them trying to find people. Yeah. Um, And they go home and they have dinner with their kids. And then after that, they're on Instagram looking at music things, um, gear, and then they watch some TV and fall asleep and do it all over again. And on the weekends, they're not working. They're like doing normal everyday things. And they probably don't go out uh, very often unless it's a band they've been a part of. And that is my target client. Where so, do they eat, Sam? Well, usually in Nashville, they eat barbecue um, or they'll eat like Burger Up. They'll eat at fancy barbecue and fancy burgers. <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm Gourmet. a Chewy's fan when I'm in Nashville. A Chewy's fan? My sister turned me on to Love it. Chewy's. I kind of jalapeno your ranch. Chewy. Did you have the jalapeno oh, ranch? Man. Oh man! So oh yes, good. yeah. Oh yes, yeah. They probably don't eat at Chewy's. It's probably not um, trendy enough because Chewy's is a chain. So oh, okay, yeah. So that's probably is it a Nashville it. chain or is it just a? It's all over. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Nashville. So they're probably not going there. It's too touristy. See, because you went there when you uh. came. <laughs> I could just walk there from my hotel and my sister <laughs> loves it. Right. So that that's what I mean by like target audience. So yeah. when I go online, I am looking for uh, either LinkedIn, Facebook pages, mm-hmm. Instagram accounts where it looks like they're professional. You know, I can find mm-hmm. something about them. They probably have pictures of their kids because they're a normal dad, you know, or mother. <laughs> And um, they've been doing music for a long time, so it's not their whole life. So mm-hmm. like a lot of people who just start in the music industry, and this this isn't a knock or anything like, I mean, all I post on my business page is gear things. But when you first start, you kind of are so obsessed with it and everything is brand new and exciting. And like uh, once you become, say, my target my target client or audience, uh, my guy who's been going to a studio for 10, 20 years now, uh, a picture of a console is just not important to him anymore or showing that to people. Um, And so you might get a few when when that person's excited about a project. Um, But the the content they're posting is more about the project or the Mm -hmm. overall um, bigger picture than, hey, look at my studio, I'm cool. (laughs) Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? No, definitely. So that's what I mean by target audience. And for everybody, it's different. Um, well, for most people, it's it's different. Some people, you can have the same target audience um, or client. But that's what, like, if you're listening to this, go home once you figure out, or you're probably already home, but maybe not. 
wherever you are, eventually take out a piece of paper or something, figure out what you're great at, what your trump card is, what makes you unique and different, and then think about your target audience. Is it uh, like for you, you're talking about you know the Charleston scene, like that's your target market. Like it may be college kids, it may be indie bands. Yeah, Charleston or South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, and, but if you're not in those. I'll still master your stuff. Right, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, write down who your target audience you think is, like, and that that will change your whole life. Like, for me, that changed everything about my focus of when I'm meeting with people or, like, out, say I'm out at a show or a bar or someone introduces someone uh, to me um, and we're talking business or music or something about what I do and, you know, if I want to work with them or whatever, I can now usually tell, you know, within 10 or 15 minutes of talking to someone if they're within my target audience, like if I'd be a good for, fit for them and they'd be a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you do that, then you can start really focusing and like just being laser focused on who you're marketing to and that's going to get you closer to having clients. And then moving on from that, one of the other big like kind of game changer but such a simple concept is that every no from a client, from a potential client or person leads you closer to a yes. So like business is all numbers and calculations. So like if you if you ask 10 people to work with you, nine of them are going to say no. One of them might be interested. For mm-hmm. me, it's about a, like I have a conversion rate of around 20, like 20 to 1. So like for every 20 people I talk to, uh, 15 are an immediate no, which could be I could pursue that more, you know, and ask kind of ask them who they're using, why they're using, you know, and maybe convert that. Say three or four are... Like, maybe, yeah, sure, send me some information. I'm checking out. I'm not loyal to anybody or, like, I'm I'm always looking for master engineers. And then one out of the 20 is like, oh, awesome. I'm super interested. I have a mix ready to go. I'd love to, like, have you work on it. So oh, That's awesome. For people out there that feel like you're not getting anywhere, you can't get clients, at the end of the day, you have to, like, put in the work to get clients. <laughs> And for me, the no's are now exciting because I know it's moving me closer to a yes. Like, I've done this, I mean, for like eight years now. And I used to get really frustrated when people would say no. Like, I'd just be like, oh, another no. Like, it's so, no one Mm -hmm. wants to work with me. But now that I've been doing this long enough and I've made it work and it's thriving, when I get a no, um... I just kind of go like, oh, excellent. I'm closer to my yes. Like, mm-hmm. I am closer to my yes. <laughs> and so... That's I'm, like sickeningly optimistic. I know it is, but that's <laughs> how I am. Like, that's There's nothing me, wrong with it. I just feel like that's how you can view it. Like, it, it's not so much optimistic as it's just like logical. Like, you yeah. know, like, it's... I forget, like you can sell something to anyone like one out of 10 times, I think they say. Like you could sell a pen to someone or something one Mm. out of 10 times. Yeah. And I think that's what people don't understand in this industry is there's such a saturation of 
artists, producers, engineers, songwriters. But that actually works out well because that means there's plenty of work to go around. It's just a matter of finding the right fit, finding your target client who wants to work with you. And that for me now, like people come to me because they know what I'm about and they know kind of what they're getting. And I advertise um, and, you know, reach out to people that fit that fit that exact target thing. So even within your target audience, I mean, for me, I get a lot of no's because my target audience person who's established has probably been using someone for a long time, like if they're yeah. already successful. So I get no's a lot more than probably most people because I'm going after people that um, need to be convinced on why I'm a better fit, you know? Someone who may have a guy. Yeah, someone who may have a guy. And sometimes I am a better fit, and then sometimes when they talk to me about who they work with, well, I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, that sounds awesome. You have a great relationship with your master engineer. Like, I don't want to do anything to that. Like, I have no issues with that because there's just so many people... that you can talk to and work with. And I think that's that's the cool thing about the internet. And I and I think people just don't take advantage of the internet because you mm. it's free. You can spend one hour a day and hit up like 40 people in an hour. And if you do that every day, you will have more work than you know what to do with. Like I promise. Like if you if you're listening and after 30 days straight of spending an hour marketing to your target audience like an hour each day, if you're not having the best month you've ever had, then like, I will give you money. <laughs> like, <laughs> You will give them a client. I will give you a client. <laughs> like, it just, it works. But the most time people don't do it, you know? Like they won't do that. It's so simple <clears throat> and it's yeah. so like free, like that it cripples people because it just doesn't. I mean, it's the whole thing of like, if you... Like message Gary Vaynerchuk on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, you are going to his phone. Yeah, because I know he said that it's him who manages his own account, right. and you're talking to someone who has a net worth. I think it's like fifty five million dollars. Yeah, and runs this like insane like media company. Right. So it's like you literally have everybody at your fingertips. Yeah, like anyone you could want. Yeah. So yeah, there's kind of no excuse. Absolutely. So that's, you know, that's just the reality of where we are currently in the industry and what's worked for me and worked for other people that I've helped, I'll say, develop, you know, a business or a career. Like the the no's are leading you closer to the yes and you shouldn't Mm -hmm. let that frustrate you. Um, And if it does frustrate you over and over again to the point where you just are defeated, then it, I mean, it it may not be a good fit for you to be self-employed. Like, Mm. that's just kind of it at the end of the day where I think we have a lot of people who think that just because they can create music that they also should be able to just thrive as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just not the reality of it. And for me, like, I've only gotten to where I am because I've worked really hard and I've, you know, read books and I've taken classes and I've, you know, interned under people and it didn't come easy like it wasn't lucky like none of my success is really luck Um, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of um, being at the right place at the right time but I was only in the right place at the right time because of the foundations I laid does that make sense? Yeah. 
So yeah, like totally. the the opportunities I had came from doing a hundred baby steps before that that seemed like meaningless or worthless or not mm-hmm. impor- not important, but it eventually allowed me to get somewhere where I could then talk to somebody who you know is my target client or that I really mm-hmm. want to work with. Um, and so that's you know that's really important to understand that like getting clients takes work. And it takes persistence. And I want to segue into the idea, quick idea, follow-up um, within clients. It's so important. Yeah, follow-up to me is everything. Like you either want to get a yes or a no for some from someone, you don't want a maybe or silence. Like, and the way you get that is by following up with people. And I have gotten so much work from just reminding people or messaging them five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Um, I've gotten work from them because people in the industry are just busy. Like the amount of stuff we get thrown at us every day, um, it's so easy to just miss your message. Like I'll miss I'll miss Instagram messages because it'll come up in like the request folder because I don't follow them, um, mm-hmm. and I'll miss people asking me like. Hey, I have a mix. I would love for you to master it. And they didn't go to my website, which people do that all the time. But then I'll click on it, like, oh my gosh, that was like six weeks ago. Like they hit me up. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I have that happen a couple times. Yeah. And even with Facebook Messenger, so like I don't get on Facebook very often on my computer and it's split, you know, in the app. Mm -hmm. So like there'll be messages where like I won't see them for, you know, a couple weeks. And, you know, for me, I should be doing better and like knowing that happens, check it out more often, I guess. But yeah, I'm just saying like follow-up is so crucial. And a lot of the times, like the studios I talk to that are my target client, like they will come back and say, oh, we lost this in the shuffle of emails or, oh, thank you so much for, you know, keeping reminding like communication is so important to us. It's clear that you value that too. Yeah, we've got a project coming on. And then... That's awesome. If they say like we have a project coming up, then you follow up with, you know, awesome. Like, when do you think you'll be done with the mix? You know, if you're yeah. if you're mastering, and then you say like, is it okay if I follow up with you then? And everybody has always said yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I follow up, and then I, you know, say, hey, just checking back <laughs> in. Like, how's the mixing going? Is it almost ready? I'm. I would love to still master it if you're interested. And you know, then at that time. Most of the people send something to hear it, you know, hear what I could do with it. So yeah, it's that persistent follow-up, and I manage it just with notes. Like I just have a sticky note. Um, some people use a spreadsheet. Uh, that works too. But I just kind of keep an ongoing notepad um, on my Mac just on notes that's kind of mm-hmm. open to remind me of of to follow up with people. So I think that's like follow-up is huge. Like you just you need to know a yes or a no within follow-up like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the goal because a maybe or someone who won't give you anything kind of um, tangible like if they're like yeah we're about to be in the studio and you ask them like when will you know you start mixing or think you'll be done though and they go "Ah, i don't really know then that's not really like a potential you know because they don't so i have a question for you yes go i never have questions in this (laughs) so i had a client back Let's call it October. Yeah. He said that he was going to be ready to 
uh, Be Ready for Mastering. I think it was like a six or seven song EP. It was going to be ready for mastering in December, I want to say. November or December. Yeah. Um, so I kept following up with him. And how much is too much? Because I maybe followed up with him five or six times, maybe once a week, like on Mondays or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I'm getting a little annoying. We're getting kind of close to Christmas. We're a little over like yeah. the date that they wanted to have everything by. So I think I'll just let it slide and I'll catch back up with him like after the holidays. Yeah. Well, he ends up releasing it, um, I think it was at the end of the year, and I was like, shit, I should have kept following up with him or (laughs) something. And it's like, I don't know if it's that he didn't want to end up paying a rate or didn't have the money to or something like that. And he got somebody else to do it, and I I don't even think they were a mastering engineer. They just wanted to toy with it. But how much is too much follow-up? Because that's why I stopped. I've found that more follow-up is better than less so by that what i do is like um unless i have a specific date of when i'm following back up so say i had a client she's doing like a country ep february 16th is when they're shooting that mix is done so i have a note on february 16th to email her and say hey where are we at with mixing or i might even do it honestly i do it a few days ahead just because they're going to know, like, sometimes there's plenty of products where I, they give me a date and I message them a few days ahead and they're like, oh, we're actually, you know, we're, we still have two songs left to even track. Yeah. Because things change. Like, things come up all the time in the music industry. Artists could get sick. The producer could be sick. Somebody could, you know, be out of town for a tour gig. Or There's so many things that can change um, in the industry that, rarely are things actually right on time, you know? So it's uh, it's something like I'll follow up with them either the day of or a few days of or a few days out um, from when they're supposed to be done and, and say like, hey, where are we at with everything? How's it going? You know, any thoughts, concerns, questions about the process of mastering? Um, if I don't have a date or like a solid thing with them, so like if I'm... Uh, I call it cold, just cold calling, but it's like cold emailing studios where I think like they're making great music that I'd be a good fit for. Um, I follow up like every week, you know, until they talk to me or until they send me something um, or tell me like, no, don't ever email me again, which has never happened in eight years. I've never had anyone be rude on email and like tell me to go screw off like Hmm. ever. Um, and maybe that's just good luck. I don't know. But I think a lot of people think that there's somebody in a studio somewhere who gets that email and just says, like, ah, screw that person. Like, <laughs> there's, there's very few people in the world who are that mean where yeah. they will, like, take the time to write you an email and tell you to never talk to them again and stop bugging mm. them, you know. Um, I've never had that happen. Uh, people that I tell like this kind of method of follow up that amount, I've never had anyone come back to me and be like, "Yeah, someone finally told me like you have to Go stop shove off." Me. Yeah, I've never had anyone come back, you know, and tell me that. So I'd mm. say like every you could do it every week, you know, um, <laughs> because people are forgetful. Like that's just how it is. Um, and yeah. nine times out of ten, if somebody goes like it feels like off the grid, like they fell off the face of the earth. Um, they'll come back and say like, I don't know how I missed these emails. Like I had a, I had that happen with a 
with a full master like delivery of project for somebody who I felt like fell off the face of the earth. Like I turned everything into them, didn't hear any feedback. You know, hey, just want to make sure you got this. Nothing. Hey, just making sure you got this. Nothing. And like three weeks later, like I don't know what happened, but all your emails went to like junk, like randomly. You know, and and I could have spent those three weeks thinking like, what the heck is happening? Like, did they get it? Like, been worried about that. But yeah, I don't do that anymore because I know, I know things just happen. Like things can happen like that. <laughs> it, yeah. Like it and with that project, it wasn't even like. It wasn't that I was like mad that he went with somebody else. Yeah. It's like, and it's not that even I wanted to do it for the money. Yeah. And not saying that like money's not important because it's like you do want to run a business and you are putting a value on what you're doing. Right. But it's like I wanted the project because I knew what he was coming out with was going to be insane. Right. And when I heard it come out, I was like, dang it, I could have made this so much better. Totally. Totally. And it's like, I know what he could have done with this and it would have yeah. been like, Holy crap. Yeah. So, and that brings up that's a, the only reason why I'm like, yeah. ah, I wish I would have followed up. Right. And that brings up kind of like a marketing thing for, for anyone who's, who's in the industry, but specifically within mastering. Like, one of the things, one of the selling points, if you're a good mastering engineer that you can present to mixers is basically telling the mixer that if you have a proper mastering engineer, master your album, your mixes will sound better. You will sound like a better mixer. Like Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. Like I had a I had a, a client this week who he sometimes masters his own mixes when the budget's not there. But this last master I did for him, he finally sent me an email and said, I will never master my mix again. Like I will never <laughs> faux master it again. He's like, I'm I've used you enough. He's like, the benefit is there. He's like, you just make me sound like a professional mixer already. Like, and that alone, he can now take those songs and get better clients, you know? Yeah. And that's where I think with marketing, like, if you really are good at, if you're a good engineer, good producer, good songwriter, good, you know, whatever your craft is within the music industry or any other business, if you market to people and say like, hey, this actually not only benefits me, but it benefits you because it makes you look better. And what you should do with that then is because you look better, you should market to the better client. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've I've done with mixers who, you know, it is it is a bit of a sales pitch, but it's also the truth. Like, it's adding value to them to where they can take the mixes and go to bigger artists and be like, check this out. I know I'm a newer guy, but these songs freaking rock, you know? Yeah. And part of that is the mastering process. Um, And that's, you know, that's why you should have a team because you get five people who are experts at all five stages of making music, you're going to have an incredible product compared to one person who's, like, good at all five things. Like, yeah, you side-by-side compare it, and it's, it's a night and day. And I think that's, like, that's something people don't, market very well and I found that to be helpful with getting clients is showing them the value that you're adding to them that they can then take and grow their business. And that when you sh- when someone understands that, they will give you money all day long because you're making them money, you know, long term. I so think like, there's a right and a wrong way to go about it as well because yeah. <clears throat> I've seen some mastering engineers websites who they'll post like a before and after. Yeah. 
of like before mastering, after mastering. It's like, okay, yeah, it's louder. It's a little bit shinier, a little right. bit of fairy dust on top type thing. Yeah. But it's like, in all honesty, it's like that doesn't do anything for anybody because you're essentially saying, hey, listen to this shit mix right. <laughs> that this guy put out and look what I did to it. Right. It's like, you're not helping anybody out. So it's like, also know, like, this is like a community effort here. Right. And like we're all in the in this together. And right. it's like I'll grab a beer with like a couple mix engineers and stuff like that and that have done their own mastering and whatnot. Yeah. And <clears throat> they primarily send me all of their masters. Yeah. And it's like of 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 course I like that, but it's uh it's kind of a, a thing of like and not I'm not saying that like that mastering's your weakness, but it's like, you know, your niche is mixing. Right. Your niche is like producing and everything. If you like, it's like go ahead and right. like, like tracking's your thing, producing's your thing, mixing's your thing. It's like, like play to your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. Absolutely. It's like a quote that I kind of live by. And it's like, if I'm not good at something, um, like in another business, I'm not the best marketing person. Yeah. Or I don't know how to market. Uh, as well as I should for the product that I'm selling. Yeah. So I'm outsourcing that right. to someone who has a insanely impressive resume. Yeah. And uh, she's going to spend the first month doing research on our industry yeah. and how to better help us. And she put together a whole marketing proposal for us. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, it's like we're going to go and we're going to work together to implement uh, some way to help this company be have a little bit of a tighter presence mm -hmm. in uh, the industry that we're at. So it's kind of like if you're not like the best at something, don't be afraid to outsource it. Right. Absolutely. And it's like you're not supposed to be good at everything. Right. And it's like if you think you could get a better result by having somebody else uh, just master, or it's like if you're just going to produce like i.e. I. like a producer kind of being like a contractor on a job site right and it's like you're gonna sub out like tracking you're gonna sub out mixing you're gonna sub out mastering yeah i mean nothing about that is bad or right. looking down on you and your exactly. skill yep that's if anything saying hey i know when i can say i don't like i'm not the best person but i have a guy right let's go ahead and like do this to get this project moving along absolutely and so play to your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. Absolutely. But also, when you do play to your strengths, if you're a good mastering engineer, don't put somebody else down by, like, boosting yourself up. I mean, right. this is all a community effort. Absolutely. So yeah. I hope that wasn't, like, too off-tangent. No, that's great. I think that, like, for me, moves us into kind of our final thing that I think I want to talk about is just, like, being authentic. And Cool. Like, I think... You know, we've talked about knowing what you do great and then using that and marketing that to your target audience, which is figuring out very specifically who that is, and then follow up. And then within all that, while you're doing all of this, the most important thing <clears throat> that you could ever like take away from this podcast is being authentic and honest with people. Because the music industry is so small. Like it really is once you get into it. Mm -hmm. and people will talk like they always talk especially in Nashville like Nashville is such a tight knit music community mm -hmm. that you are one step away or two steps away from everyone in town mm -hmm. um, and that's what I love about Nashville but it also like if you are dishonest or if you are clearly seeking people 
just to try and work. Like you don't even care about the projects. You're just wanting to make money. Like people who are in the industry can sniff that out from a mile Mm. away. And when I first started, um, and hear me on this, like your intentions can be nothing but pure and good. Like you can just be like, oh, I just, I want to work, which is great. Like that's step one, like wanting to work is good. But if you're just talking to people and trying to take on clients and you're just going to people and saying like, hey, uh, you know, let me work on this. Or if you hear of anything, send it my way. You know, I, I need work or like, there's a way to go about it that is more authentic, that is helpful to the community as a whole. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're doing your pitching or when you're marketing, make sure you are being genuine and that you are going after projects that you will do well at. Because if you go after a project that you're not qualified for, and that's the other thing within all this is people will ask me, like, how do you, I just want to do like label work or something. And that was my mindset too. I was like, all I want to do is label work. You know, I just, I want to be known. I want to be able to market that. I want to, you know, work with some bands that are on labels that I like. Um, And, you know, I got there by doing a hundred different things that led me up to someone being like, here, let's see if you can handle this project. Yeah. Um, And if you would have gave me a label project five, six years ago, I would have totally wet the bed with it. Like, I would have been terrible. I would have been a bad fit. I wasn't ready. Wouldn't have been qualified. Couldn't deliver. Didn't even know what a DDP was. Like, wouldn't be able to give them what they actually need at that level, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing. Like, when you're looking for clients within all this, you need to be so authentic and realistic with where you're at. Um, And that doesn't mean you don't, like, strive or, like, dream big or, you know, if you want to work with John Mayer or somebody, like... That's incredible, but be realistic that like currently you may not have the skills to work with John Mayer, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but map out what it would take to get to John Mayer and be authentic with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing for me is like when I'm talking to people, it's always about finding out am I a good fit for them? Can I help them out? Am I going to be like adding value to their band? Like will I be able to give them a product that they're proud of? Um, and there are plenty of times where I just tell myself no, this isn't right. Like this isn't my thing. This isn't a good fit for me. Even if they want to work with me, I'll say uh, I'm not the right fit, you know. Um, and that goes a long way with bands because I've had bands where, I'll, where I will tell them no and then they will send me a different band that's the right fit because they know so clearly what I'm about. Does that make sense? Wow. So yeah. like I may tell them no for these certain reasons. I, I like to do this and this and no, I don't, uh, I don't use you know, certain gear or something. You know, I'm more this kind of you know, creative guy. And I'll have people send me bands that way that, you know, I'm not their master engineer, but they know bands that would fit me, you know, and they know because I'm honest and genuine that I can be trusted. Um, so I think that's that's the big thing within this is like you have to be authentic and you have to be in this with a long, huge, long-term vision that you are trying to build a career and you're trying to, you want to partner yourself alongside clients that are also in this for the long haul because that's the only way this works. Um, the clients 
that like sustain my career are in this thing till they die, you know? And I'm in this thing till I die. Like there's no other plan. There's no plan B for me. Like this is it. Like I'm going to make it work and it does work. But when you find people like that, then that helps you give consistency. Like if you can get 10 studios, I mean, if you, if it's really quite simple, like for mastering, if you could get 10 studios to give you one album a month and you charge a semi-pro rate, Mm-hmm. you could break $100,000 in a year. Like, that's that's it's that simple. Like It's doable. <laughs> it's super doable. And that's only 10 studios in the whole world m- doing one album a month, you know? I have, a, I have a quote that I pulled up. So it's actually a quote that John Mayer posted today. Ah, that's super done. relevant. And I was like, should I send this to Sam? And then I forgot about it. <laughs> So he posted something earlier today that said, and it was in his Instagram stories, it said, the days of consensus are over. There will never again be a great big world that agrees on you. The attempt to be loved by all is a good one, but it's an outmoded one. The only way to find true happiness is to accept this. Find your audience, love them, play to them, but protect yourself from the certain injury of trying to bring... Uh, the larger world to agreement. That pie is sliced in so many slivers now. Enjoy your slice of the pie. <laughs> That's great. But it's like, it's so true to what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's like, find your audience, love them, and play to them, but protect yourself from the certain injury of trying to bring the larger world to agreement. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that will be on the outro. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's like, that's, <clears throat> Everything we're saying in a nutshell is yeah. basically be yourself, stay in your lane, take care of your clients, and they'll keep coming back to you, you know, and being authentic. That's it. That's it. And that's kind of like this whole podcast in a nutshell is that idea of if you are honest with yourself and you do what you're best at, then you market that to your target client and audience who needs that thing then they will love you and they will keep coming back to you and they will become a raving fan and tell mm-hmm. others. And it's really that simple, but it just takes time. Like, it takes years, multiple years for most people, five, ten years to get a career going. I this think is not a fast thing. Yeah, it's not a fast thing. And if you think <clears throat> it's fast, you know, you need to reevaluate. Like... I don't really know anyone who's done it fast, like in a month or a year. Um, so some interesting insight. Yeah. Um, I used to want to be like a touring front of house engineer. Yeah. And then I got married and I realized I did not want to do that. Then I, and my wife realized she did not want me to do that either. But I followed this company out of the UK who has some great front of house uh, videos and whatnot that they put out and they defined career. Yeah. And... They said it's not something that happens within two or five years. A career, as we're defining it, as um, a culmination of one's life work. Yeah, and it's like that's what a career is. It, yeah. like, it's going to take like your that. whole life to accumulate uh, all of that knowledge and all of right. everything else in order to uh, have that career. It is your life's work. Absolutely. So yeah, I love that. That's spot on. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of covers it all. What what did I miss? What did we miss? What do you think? 
Um, I mean, I think we touched on like market research and everything really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, we like were able to say like defining your target audience is like a major. Right. Um, how to reach your targeted audience. Yes. Um, uh, know your audience when presenting and communicating. And I mean, that's anything for like anyone who's listening who may not even be in the music industry. It's like if you're just even going to like speak in a boardroom or in a meeting or to your friends or something like that or whatever, like knowing your audience is paramount. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and how do you present this? How do you, and it's, it's like if you want to get your way in something or if you want to do uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, you just have to know your audience and know who you're speaking to. Yeah. Um, being authentic is key. And I'm not saying like be vulnerable. And I mean, that might cast doubt upon what you're able to do. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about hang factor a little bit and why that's important. Yeah. And I mean, no one wants to work with somebody that, um, I mean, it's, I don't know who's going to like, cast a shadow over what they're doing or right. bring bring the mood down or something. Right. It's like... Like, this should be, like, a happy part of your project, especially if you're doing mastering. I mean, this right. is, like, the last step before, like, like, like you have, like, you are seeing at the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, I mean, we're helping you get ready for everything. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much everything on my list and in terms of, like, marketing and whatnot. And, um, I mean, I think you... I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you and I are in completely, I think, different parts in terms of targeted market and everything. Yeah. You're, you're marketing to a very specific person who's uh, who you're trying to convince that you can do a better job than the person they're currently using. And in a lot of cases that I've seen, you can do that and you really bring like an incredible experience to the whole process. And I mean, Thank you're you. you're like an alchemist, man. You're turning out gold. <laughs> um that that's that Sam the Alchemist Moses. <laughs> so, uh, and it's like with me, it's like I'm working with people who have never used a mastering engineer before, and I'm yeah. more trying to convince them of why uh, why that's a benefit and yeah. what that can do for them. Yeah. And everyone who I work with, I mean, they they absolutely love it. I mean, you have tons of label jobs. I've only done one label job. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mind it, but I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not going to die on that hill wanting label jobs. It's like, I yeah. love indie work. Yeah, um, I do too. And then you said also, like, labels take forever to pay too. Yes, they do. So you said that you can be waiting for a good while for a label to pay. So right. it's like, if you're waiting on that, it's like, I hope you got some money to, to tide exactly. you over. Yep. So um, I, I really think we touched on a bunch of it. If Excellent. anyone thinks we missed something, like, please write in. Um our podcast, I mean, I, we normally try to not say like when we're recording, but we've been live for uh, right about two weeks. Our fourth episode just launched. We're yeah. launching every other week. Uh, I'm looking at the metrics right now. I'll actually, I'll refresh it and see what they say. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone up by 30 listens, like all time total listens in two and a half weeks. No, in two weeks. I'm sorry. Uh, 2,280 downloads. Crazy. Uh, every, ep- every episode has an average of 570 downloads. Yeah. Uh, the episode we just published today when we started, we had 82 listens. Now we have 130. Huh. So, I mean, like, y'all are eating this up, and it's fantastic. And I love sending these metrics to Sam and being like, holy crap, we have people who are actually listening to what's going on. Incredible. And we want to, above everything else, serve you. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not for us. I mean, I mean, I'd love talking to Sam, but uh, it. I had this bonehead idea of, hey, Sam, what if we take our talks and we make them public and right. we try to help people who might otherwise not be able to 
get in touch with us for whatever. And I mean, it's all over the world too. Yeah. It's like, it's not just one place. It's literally like all over Europe, like two downloads in India, yeah, uh, Australia, Brazil, Peru. I mean, it's freaking everywhere. Right. Iceland has one download. <laughs> Norway, one. Sweden, four. <laughs> France, five. Spain, nine. This is a shout out moment. Nigeria, two. What? You might get some. Yeah, I, I don't know. South Africa, 35. Oh, it's Dude, it's insane. And then yeah. in the States, it's just going nuts. Almost 500 downloads in Tennessee. Alabama's a close second at 320. Come on now. So, and I mean, by the time this episode gets out, we'll be... Like it'll be way higher. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and yeah. thank you for loving what we do. And I, we hope we don't screw it up. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you would like to be a guest, please write into one of us. Uh, our information is on uh, the fireside dot com thing that you can get in touch with us or yeah. uh, the Attack and Release Show on um, <clears throat> on Facebook. Please, by all means, get in touch with us. We'd love to. Uh, talk we have like a handful of people who've already emailed us saying hey thanks for what you're doing and yeah um so i mean this is kind of like everybody's podcast so let's uh like if anyone wants to be interviewed or wants a topic uh i i have a a close friend who uh brought up a couple things about the auto mastering services podcast that we released and yeah uh i mean i'd love to get him on just to hear the debate he has he creates algorithms for like, and I think he's going to be creating algorithms for AI and whatnot. It's where his heart is. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, let's like, let's talk about this. Let's have a dialogue. Let's get like, let's get dirty with this. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I mean, I'm all on board for that. Please keep writing in uh, any uh, five stars that you can submit on iTunes or anywhere. Please do that. We're on iTunes, Google, uh, Stitcher, Apple podcast. I mean, you can find us just about anywhere. At least I'm trying over. as hard as I can. Yep. So, yeah, uh, one big collective thank you. Yeah. So if we like, like I said, and like Sam said, if we missed anything, uh, please write in. We'd love to hear from uh, any of you veterans from the industry about how you did it when you were starting out. Whether you start out in a studio, whether you start out alone. Um, I mean. I, I actually don't think a lot of people started out alone. A lot of people started in the studio. I started out alone, yeah. and it's kind of been an uphill battle. But, um, I mean, I'd love to hear from anybody. I mean, any any stuff that we can get out to people just encourages the whole industry and just better educates people. I'm not saying we're this medium of education, but, right. I mean, we're at least trying to create a dialogue here totally. of, like, honesty and authenticism. So yeah. uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. So... Uh, Sam, you got anything else for the guys and gals out there? Uh, I think the one last thing I'd like to say is um, whatever you're having, have a good one. Morning, <laughs> afternoon, or night, whatever y'all are having, have a good one. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Thank you. Y'all have a... I get, yeah, whatever you're having, have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs> Roll the music, Sam. Cueing. Cueing.